All right. Uh, I'm going to continue the series this morning. We're in a series called Consider Your Source. And uh, last Sunday, the title was Don't Forget Where It Came From, uh, that uh, uh, everything that we have is, is a gift from God, and every perfect gift comes from Him, and, and He is our source. And when we see ourselves as entrusted stewards of the resources that we have, it's so much easier to be obedient and be generous with that. Uh, and so this week, I'm going to title the sermon, uh, Don't Forget What You've Been Through. Don't Forget What You've Been Through. And I'm going to start right in the very beginning, Genesis 1-1. I'm going to go throughout the Bible, but I will keep you up to speed. I'm going to move fast, so pay attention. So turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? Turn to the other person that you ignored and said, are you ready? And now on the count of three, let's say, let's get it on. One, two, three. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God... Our source, the original source, the original cause, created the heavens and the earth. But he didn't do it all at once. He, he did it in, in, in spurts. He did it in, in days. And, and so it says in verse 9, God said, let the water under the sky be gathered together in one place. Let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land. And he gathered waters together and called it the sea. And when he saw it, he said, it looks good. It's good. I'm mired my work. Then verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit and seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God looked at it and said, it was good. Admiring the work of his hands. And then on the, the final, on the sixth day, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of this whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed within it. They will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give everything green plant of life for food for you. And it was so. And then verse 31, and God looked at all he had made and said, this time it was very good. And then he took a nap and said, I'm just going to enjoy my work. Don't forget what you've been through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord God. I thank you for getting us up this morning and bringing us here to hear a word from you, Father. I pray, Lord, that, that this word spoken, Father, will, will just penetrate us, will speak to whatever season we are in in our life, Lord God. And I, I pray for, for anyone in here that's in the middle of a rebuild in their life, Lord. I pray, Father, that your word will be able to help them get through every moment of discouragement, every disappointment, Lord God. Uh, that you are with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Anyone ever had to go through a rebuild in their life? Something fell apart and then you, you had to put it back together. That could be one of the most frustrating things that any of us ever have to go through. And, and sometimes it's because of our own actions. Sometimes it's because uh, somebody else intervened and, 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 and shattered something in our life, fractured something in our life. And 
Uh, the, the, the ser- sermon I got from, I get a lot of my sermons from my children. They're great, great sources. I just use them for sermons. That's really the only reason why I have them is just sermon material. And, and, and my, my son, Judy, hasn't done it in a while. Uh, he's kind of out of that phase, but he was a Lego maniac. Anyone ever raise a Lego maniac? Uh, and and that's, that's all my son, Judah, ever wanted to do was just build, 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 build. Now he does like the master building where he kind of creates his own uh, kind of contraptions. And he actually made like a, uh, uh, like a treasure chest that you have to find a hidden key. He's like a genius. It's amazing. Uh, but back in the early days, uh, I remember I got him this, this thing called the Scuttler from the Batman movie, from the Lego Batman movie. And we, me and him, we built the Scuttler. We took us like three hours. And, and I told him, Judah, don't move the Scuttler. Leave the Scuttler in your room. People go to your room to see the Scuttler. You don't bring the Scuttler out of your room to see the people. Because you know what happens when you bring the Scuttler out of your room to see the people. You get distracted and you break the Scuttler that I spent three hours of my Christmas morning building with you, Judah. And, and, and I put vested time into that. And, well, of course, what he does, he took the Scuttler out of his room, comes around that corner, all excited to show it to his new friends. He's wearing socks, slips on the hardwood floor. Down goes the scuttler, and down go the tears in his face, and, and, and he's broken. I'm angry, but I realized something in that moment. Sometimes you ever break something, it's actually easier to rebuild it because you have all the pieces, and you have the instructions, and you already did it one time. And if you did it once, you could do it again. But sometimes the reason why we don't want to have to go through a rebuild is we look at everything that we've been through as a loss rather than a lesson to help us put back together what seems broken in our life. I thought that that was a lot better than the response that I'm getting out of you this morning. And that, uh, it was a, a couple years ago, we went to uh, Bakersfield, California. You don't ever been to Bakersfield, California? Uh, no reason to ever go there. God bless the man that raised his hand. You made it out alive. You're awesome. You, you're, you're my hero, my hero for Sunday morning service. Uh, nothing uh, uh, really in Bakersfield except oil fields and, and desert. Uh, Bakersfield, California is where my wife is from. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Uh, you made it out alive. It's amazing. And, and it's a place where they don't have Italian subs. They have Italian subs. Anyone ever been to one of those places with the Italian subs? Run whenever you hear somebody say that. And, and so, but there's this one guy in Bakersfield, California I love. It's Diamond's uncle, uh, Uncle Ronnie. And Uncle Ronnie's an incredible guy. Uh, I, I hit it off with him right away. He's like one of those salt-of-the-earth kind of guys. Worked in the oil fields. And, and he's been very successful in his life. Uh, he worked for an asphalt company for, for years and became incredibly successful. Uh, built a career out of it. And uh, the last time that I was there, uh, he was in the middle of a rebuild. There was new leadership coming into the company, and they were cleaning house. And, and he was completely panicked because he just, just, just bought a new house. He's got a mortgage. He's got, he's got a child that's in college, kind of the way Joe was articulating earlier. And, and he was panicked because he, he had all these bills that were coming in. And when you lose your job, you, the bills keep coming. I, I mean, the expenses keep coming, and he was panicked. He was freaking out. He didn't know what he was going to do, and, and we prayed. We spent a lot of time talking when I was on that, that vacation, just, just me and him uh, sharing about some of his fears because a lot of times when you, when you lose a job or, or, and you have all these bills coming in, I mean, the first thing that comes is fear. 
and, and also, you know, kind of angry for the people that are, are, are doing you dirty, the people that are queering house, the people that are, are replacing you. And, and, and he was so upset. And I, I, this is what I told him. I believe that it was really the Holy Spirit that helped me uh, see this for him. I, I told him, look, look Uncle Ronnie, they, they could take your job. They could take your paycheck. But they cannot take the 20 years experience that you had at that asphalt company. They can't take the lessons that you learned, the relationships that you built, the client relationships that you were able to, to, to have at that company. And, and you, you're not leaving empty-handed. You have that experience that they cannot take away from you. And I was so blown away. Uh, this past summer, I went to go see Aunt Kelly and Uncle Ronnie. And now my Uncle Ronnie's got his own asphalt company. He's got like 20 trucks, absolutely killing the game in Bakersfield, California, because he was able to take the experience that he had from one of the darkest seasons in his life and use it to rebuild what God has in his life now. And he'll do the same thing for you. A lot of times... We look at the struggles in our life as a reason to get discouraged. But I want to look at it a little bit differently this morning. I want to give you four reasons to rejoice this morning. Anybody need a reason to rejoice this morning? A couple people. I need a reason to rejoice. Because life is hard. Life is challenging. Every day there's something that comes out of nowhere. And the, the first reason I want to give you to rejoice, number one... Rejoice for the battles that didn't beat you. Rejoice for the battles in your life that didn't beat you. Yeah, they were, they were hard. They were challenging. It might have been a setback for you, but it didn't beat you. And you need to be able to learn to rejoice for the small victories in your life, that, that you got through that season, that, that it didn't t turn you into a manic, depressant person, but you got up again. It, it didn't keep you in bed for two months, but you got up out of that bed again, and that's a reason to rejoice that the battle did not beat you. I love it in the, in the scripture I read first uh, when I started this sermon of God creating the heavens and the earth. He created uh, the, the, the land. That wasn't his final goal. He wanted to create everything, but he created the, the land, and he said, this is good. And then he created the water and said, this is good. I'm going to celebrate the partial victory that I have in my life. I don't have the finished product yet, but I'm going to rejoice for the good in my life. And then finally, on the sixth day, God looked, and everything was finished. He had the finished product, and he said, this is very good. But the key is you'll never get to very good until you learn to be thankful for all the good in your life, for the battles that didn't beat you. I, I look at some of the battles in my life, and we always say count your blessings. We should say count your battles, because there's more blessings in the battles than anything else. Uh, I remember the first time, one of the first times I ever preached, I, I thought that, that, that I would be able to get up and just kind of wing it. And you ever tried to do that? That was the worst experience of my life. Get up here and, and, and my face is red, mouth's getting dry, and everyone's just staring at me. Joe Responti's got that same look on his face. And, 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 and that, that failure made me realize I never want that to ever happen again. And so that's why I've become an over-preparer because of what, what my failure caused me to do. So the greatest tests, the greatest lessons in the world will come from the battles that didn't break you. And I also think we need to rejoice, number two, I like this one. 
This one might be my favorite. For the beatings that didn't beat you. I'm sorry. The, the beatings that didn't break you. Anyone ever look at something in their life as a loss? But really, you should change that to a gain. Some of the, the, the beatings that we've taken, we need to look at as a blessing in our life. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Let me talk to some of the people in the Bible that, that know what this is like. Because they went through persecution that we know nothing about. Uh, last, uh, last week, we took the kids to Ripley's Believe It or Not in New York City. You ever taking their kids there before? It's kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I mean, they got like the, the, the fattest man ever, like the tallest man ever. We got like these, you know, crazy things that you look at. And then there's this entire room that's all, and we probably should have read like the reviews before we went in there. Like this entire room about like how the, 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 the Romans in ancient times used to, uh, used to murder and torture Christians. And it had everything that they had. And Judah was like freaked out. Like what? People got killed for being a Christian? He was like, and he couldn't believe it. And we're like, yes, Judah. Uh, it, believe it. And we went home and we, we researched it. I, I show, showed them all about it. Not showed them, but told them all about it. And two million people were, were, were executed for putting their faith in Jesus. And we get upset when something gets flagged on Facebook like we're being persecuted. Come on, man. Like, you know nothing about what it's like to be persecuted. I mean, come on. These people were, were, were getting whipped, being beaten. And this is uh, what some of the disciples said in verse 39 when that they were arrested for just talking about Jesus. They were arrested for uh, proclaiming that Jesus rose again. And, and they brought him in, and, and they didn't know what to do with them. Should we execute them? And uh, the, 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 the Sadducees and the Roman soldiers were saying this, verse 40, but... If it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against them. So uh, we, we, we might as well just, just release them, uh, but we don't want to release them just yet, verse 40. And so they called the, the apostles in and had them flogged, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Let them go. Anyone ever been flogged in here before? I would consider that not a reason to rejoice. I would consider that a reason to never talk about Jesus again. That would be a reason to get bitter at God. I followed you. I started tithing, and now I can't pay for my kids' education. Be mad at God. God's the reason why I'm in this struggle. God's the reason why I'm being persecuted. God's the reason why I'm not seeing any fruit in this. I tried. I prayed. I came to church 90% of the time in 2019, and my life is exactly the same as it was in 2018. I have a reason to be bitter. No, you have a reason to rejoice. This is what I, I love about these apostles. Verse 41 it says, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Man, some of you need to take some of the things that you put in the loss column in 2019 and move it over to the profit column in your life. You need to look at some of the fake friends that you lost in 2019 and you're all bitter because now you're lonely. You don't have anybody to hang out with on Friday night. You need to see that as a gain, that God saved you from a disaster for having those people in your life. You need to see it as a gain that now I might be alone, but now I can plug in to the real source in 2020 and now I can realize that it was the fake friends that caused a lot of the problems in my life to begin with. So thank God they're gone. 
It's called addition by subtraction. And one of you people in here needs to learn how to do that. Preach, pastor, preach. See, this is an addition sign, not a subtraction sign. When God comes into your life, he adds to your life. He doesn't take away. But there's some people that you have allowed in your life that have taken away, and you need to say, God, remove them in 2020. Just throw your phone away. Get that number out of there. For the beatings that didn't break you. And then num number, number three, uh, this is probably my, my longest point, so just buckle up. Are you ready? This is gonna, I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good because it's about this, this guy in the Bible that I, I never really knew a whole lot about. Uh, it's, it's this guy. He actually wrote a book in the Bible called Haggai. And guess what, guess what his name was, Ron? Haggai. You didn't know that? Come on, man. It's right there. You know, uh, anybody know who Haggai is? No. I'll, I'll tell you guys who he is. So Haggai, he was, he was a, an Old Testament prophet. And he was called by God to go and speak to the Israelites when they were in the middle of a rebuild. The Israelites, this is history now, they had this beautiful temple. And, and during the Babylonian invasion, the, the, the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar came in and they completely wiped out the temple. They knocked over the walls. They took a lot of the Israelites captive. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they, they were moved over to Babylon. Uh, and now they were in the middle of a rebuild. And they were looking at the rubble that used to be so beautiful. And I, I feel like that is such an a, a easy metaphor for so many of us who look at the rubble of something in our life that used to be so beautiful. And they began to try and rebuild what was broken, but they got distracted and they got discouraged. Those are two of the most evil twins that come in our life when we're in the middle of a rebuild, when we're in the middle of doing what God has called us to do. Number one, you get distracted. Number two, you get discouraged. And that's where these Israelites were. They were distracted and they were discouraged and they had the foundation already rebuilt, but that was it. And they stalled and the, the, the work project stalled. And now here's Haggai coming to them to try and encourage them to uh, get back to work. So this is what the scripture says, Haggai chapter 2 and, and verse, uh, let's start verse, verse 3. Who of you is left who saw this house, this temple, this beautiful beautiful place in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? You ever look back at a place in your life that used to be so beautiful? You used to look back at maybe your life five years ago and it used to be so beautiful in your eyes. You, you, had, you had everything so figured out and, and your family was intact and that was before the, the, the diagnosis. That was before the, uh, the, the fracture in the marriage. That was before the, the problem came. And you look back and you just remember how glorious it was. And you compare it to the rubble that you're looking at right now. That is the reason why you are so paralyzed in fear. It's because you're living in regret. And that's where these Israelites were. Verse 4, Haggai comes to encourage him. He says, now be strong, Zerubbabel. That's the reason why he came to encourage him, because his name was Zerubbabel. Already just, not, you know, if your name is Zerubbabel, you're not starting life out, like, in the positive section. Um, 
Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And get back to work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. Get back to work. Why? Because it's going to be easy? No. Get back to work because uh, uh, it's, it's all of a sudden going to be done for me? No. Get back to work because I am with you. That is a promise from God that I am with you in dark places. I am with you after you get the bad report. I am with you so you can get back to work and move forward. Verse 5. God bless you. See, I could talk and listen at the same time. Verse 5, this is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of e Egypt. And my spirit, it remains among you. Do not fear, Haggai said. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. He is our source. Remember where it came from. It didn't come from you. It didn't come because you were so clever and you were so smart and you were such a great salesman. No, Joe, God gave you that ability to be able to make those deals. And Joe gets that. And we all need to get that. That God is our source of all of our giftings and our talents. It comes from above. And he says, verse 7, I will shake all the nations and what is desired by all the nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. The glory, verse 9, of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord. So what does that have to do with me? Talking about the, this, the, this temple, the, the former glory of this temple is, is going to totally outweigh the latter former glory of this temple. What does that have to do with me? So whenever you read the Bible, this is how you read the Bible. You read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And, and because the New Testament is in the Old concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Did you get that? No, that was, that was a lot. But, but that's going to help you because in the Old Testament, when you see the word temple, what, what, what it, it's referring to for us is 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse something. Did I get it right? Six, I knew there was a niner in there somewhere. Where, where it says, my body, our body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which means whenever we see temple in the Old Testament, it's talking about me and my temple. Because that is where God is dwelling now in the new covenant. He doesn't dwell in a place. He doesn't dwell at the House of Independence or in St. Catherine's Cathedral. No, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when Haggai is saying that the future glory of this temple is going to outweigh the former glory, what he's saying is that the best is yet to come in your life. You haven't seen nothing yet. That God is with you when you get back to work. He's about to do a new thing in your life. The best is still yet to come for you. And then, this is my favorite verse. You ready? You ready? I, I don't think the people in the balcony are ready. Because this is, this is what I freaked me out. I read this. It was verse 18. And, and I'm reading this. And, and this, is, this is what it said. It just like jumped out at me. Verse 18. And it said, from this day on, today, from the 18th day of December. Anyone born December 18th in here? 
I just feel like, just, just write that down somewhere, December 18th. God's going to do something for somebody in this church December 18th. I don't know if it's play the lottery or, or whatever breakthrough you've been thinking about. Man, something's going to happen. This, I, I read that and I just thought, you know, something's going to happen to somebody. I'm marking it on my calendar, December 18th. Something's going to break through in somebody's life. I guess I'm the only one. I'll tell you, anybody else take that? December 18th, mark that sucker down. Remember that. And then, and then remember that uh, Pastor Appreciation is next Sunday. So uh, just, just in case that does break through, remember who told you about that, okay? So from this day on, from the 18th day of December, thank you, yeah, appreciate that. Of the Lord's temple was laid, give careful thought. Careful thought to what? This. Verse 19. I am giving you a promise now. Right now. The promise is now while the seed is still in the barn. Okay, seed is still in the barn. Okay, there's a promise now. Seed is still in the barn. And you have not yet harvested your grain. Haven't reaped the harvest yet. Haven't seen the manifestation of what I have planted. And your grapevines, your fig trees, your pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. See, I love that. We have the promise now. But we don't have the proof yet. But that's still a reason to rejoice. See, can you rejoice over having the promise or do you have to have the proof in order to rejoice in your life? Because this scripture is telling us that you need to learn to rejoice because you have the promise now. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what you do have is you have a promise from God that there is a harvest coming in your life, that you have planted seed, you have scattered seed in your, in your life, and you have a harvest coming, and you need to realize that I don't have to wait to see the harvest, but I can rejoice even now that I still have some seed in the barn. And I got happy because I have some things in my life that I've been praying for that I have not yet seen manifest yet, but I'm not going to wait until I see it in order to get happy and thank God for the seed that is still in the barn in my life. And I hope that encourages somebody who's ready to give up and who is frustrated, but the scripture says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will produce a harvest. And what I want to say to somebody is, your seed is protected. Your seed is protected. That every seed that you sowed, and you might not even remember when you sowed it, God remembers it. And there is a harvest that's going to come in your life. All those seeds that you plant, this is for a parent. I didn't say this in the first service. This is for a parent. That you planted some seeds in your children. And right now, they, they are on, a, on you, you might say, on, on the highway to hell. But I want you to know that those seeds that you planted inside of those kids are going to produce a harvest. 
that do not get weary and frustrated with God. Those seeds that you put in those kids when they were 10 years old, they were 12 years old. That Bible that you read to them on the kitchen table every single morning, those seeds have not gone away. Those seeds are going to harvest. They're just waiting for the right thing to water them. And it might come from this preacher. It might come from a preacher in California. I got saved at the L.A. Dream Center. But it was because of the seeds that my parents planted in my life when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, complaining to my mom at the kitchen table. Mom, you're so annoying reading the Bible to me every single morning. I hate it. Get away from me. I don't want the Bible, the Bible. And then it's funny that one morning I remember I told her she was so annoying. Turns to Proverbs. Says a fool is easy, easily annoyed. It was the proverb that morning. I'll never forget it. And my mom just laughed in my face, and I got mad. And then I had to fly 3,000 miles. I had all that seed in me, but no harvest. And then one man in L.A., Pastor Matthew Barnett, preached a sermon about laying down your dream and picking up God's dream for your life. And all of a sudden, I had a harvest in my life. Don't grow weary. Those seeds that you have planted in those children, they will manifest. Don't give up. It is protected. That seed is protected. And so ha ha here's, here's Haggai. He gives his word and, and he says, you could believe that from this day on, I will bless you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I like to read other translations of the Bible. Uh, what, what translation do, do, do you like to read, Bobby? The New Living. What about you, Ron? Same thing? Okay, okay. Uh, somebody asked me one time, what is the best version of the Bible to read? Are you ready? You write this down. This is from, from your pastor. I'm going to tell you what the best version of the Bible uh, to read is. Nobody's grabbing pens. I'm very discouraged right now. All right, but you don't need to, you, you can just remember this, okay? Whatever you read is the best version. Just read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit do the work, okay? Because I read this one, one version of the Bible called the Message Bible. And, and it's, it's written by this guy, Eugene Peterson. And, and I read this scripture in the Message Bible, and it just blessed me like crazy, man. I was so pumped. I, I, had, I had kind of a rough week. I, I got two of those emails, kept me up all night one night. And, and then all of a sudden, in one day, both of them were resolved. And, and, and so I, I, I needed this, and I got pumped when I read this because in the Message Bible, it, it, says, it says this. It says, think ahead from when the temple was rebuilt and when it was launched. Has anything in your fields, vine, fig tree, olive tree, failed to flourish? From now on, you could count on a blessing. See, a lot of people say to, to, to count your blessings, but I want to change it up a little bit. I want to say you could count on a blessing in your future. You could count on it. Because see, this is the thing. When you consider your source, you could count on a blessing. You could count that your seed that you have sown is going to flourish. The seed is still in the barn. And I close with this. I'm going to be like this overzealous guy that decorates for Christmas in mid-November. Any of those people in here? Just overzealous. You have, we know, Bobby. All right, we know, we know, we know. <laughs> uh, it's because I, I, I heard this. I'm like, I got to go right to the Christmas store. I mean, when I see something that says the seed is still in the barn, man, that, I, that, that's got to be pointing to something. 
And, and so I went to Luke, and this, this was, was amazing. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy. What is it? What is this news? What is this? Is this, our, 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 is this the salvation coming? Wait, what, what, is this a miracle coming? He says, no. Today in the town of, of David, a Savior is born to you. He's the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Go and rejoice. But wait, I thought I was supposed to rejoice when I see the miracle. Rejoice when, when, when Jesus opens up blind eyes. Rejoice when, when he feeds the 5,000. Rejoice when, when, when Jesus comes up out of the tomb. Rejoice when I have the, the manifestation of, of, of what I prayed for. No, rejoice when the seed is still in the barn. Rejoice that that baby, he's a baby, but that baby is going to grow. There's a savior in that barn. There's a miracle in that barn. You go and rejoice before it ever happens. Not going to happen for another 33 plus years, but you go and rejoice now. I want to tell you that your day is coming, that your, your day to reap a harvest will come, but don't you wait until that day to be happy and joyful and thank God for all the good in your life and thank God for all the seed that you have in your life. You rejoice today. See, Haggai was talking about this temple that one day was going to be so glorious and so splendid. But what Haggai was really talking about, talking about the blessing in the barn, talking about Jesus, that you could count on him. You want a blessing to count on? You could count on Jesus. You could count on him to bring peace to your soul. You could count on him to be rest, give you rest in the middle of a weary season. You could count on him to bring you through some of the darkest moments of your life. You could count on him when everyone has forsaken you. He never will. You could count on the blessing that is still in the barn. And I think that's the title of this sermon. My blessing in the barn. That's where it is. And you have a reason to rejoice. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much that we have, we have stuff in our life that we need to be grateful for this morning. We have people sitting around us that we need to be grateful for this morning. And God, I know that there's some people in here that are in the middle of a rebuild in their life. They're in the middle of rebuilding a marriage. In the middle of rebuilding relationships with their kids in the middle of rebuilding a business. And in those moments of a rebuild, it's so easy to just look back at when things used to be so good and used to feel like there was no problems whatsoever in my life. And, and now, because of my own stupidity or because of what was done to me, all I'm looking at is rubble. But the word of the Lord to you this morning is get back to work. Get back to work for I am with you. Some of you, you have sown seed. You were so faithful, but 
God didn't bring the miracle or the harvest on your timetable. Because of that, you got bitter at God. Because of that, you got angry. You blamed God. And you got angry for all the seed that you sowed. You looked at it as a waste of time. God brought you here this morning to hear this message. That you have a reason to rejoice for the battles that didn't beat you. For the beatings that didn't break you. For the beginnings that don't seem big to you. And for the blessing that is still in the barn. God knows all the seed that you have sown. God sees every good and perfect work that you have done. He sees it all. And he hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Every prayer that you have prayed for, for that child, every prayer that you have prayed for, for that friend, every prayer that you have prayed against that attack in your life, God hears it. And God is working on your behalf. He's working behind the scenes right now. And you have a reason to rejoice. You have a reason to be grateful this morning.